Section six, part two of Gifantia by Charles Francois Tipchenia de la Roche. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter one The Repast. My zeal has carried me farther than I should have imagined, added the prefect. It is time to think of what concerns thee. The air of Gifantia is lively and full of active corpuscles. It keeps up the spirits, and, in spite of the fatigues thou hast endured in the desert, it does not suffer thee to have the least sense of weariness. However, thou hast need of a more solid food. I have ordered thee a repast, and I will regale thee after the manner of the elementary spirits. We went out of the gallery, and the prefect conducted me to a grotto, of which the architecture was so strange that I dare not venture to describe it. The whole furniture was a marble table and a cane chair, on which he bid me sit down. Whatever I saw at Gifantia was extraordinary. The repast to which I was invited was not less so. Thirty salt cellars filled with salts of different colors were placed on the table in a circle round a fruit, much like our melons. There was also a glass decanter full of water, round which other salt cellars formed another circle. These preparations were not very tempting. I never had less appetite. However, not to affront a host, to whom I was so much obliged, I tasted the fruit that he offered me. The purest chemical earth purged of all foreign matter would have more taste. I forced myself to swallow a few bits. I drank a glass of water, and I told the prefect that my strength was more than sufficiently recruited, and, if he pleased, we would continue to visit the rarities of Gifantia. Thou hast had, said he, the complaisance to taste the fruit and the liquor. Thou wilt further oblige me to season them both. The salts which stand round them have, perhaps, more virtue than thou art aware of. I invite thee to try. Upon these words I viewed the salt-sellers more attentively. I saw that each had a label, and I read upon those that surround the insipid fruit, salt of woodcock, salt of quail, salt of wild duck, salt of trout, etc. Upon the others I read concrete juice of rhenish, of champagne, of burgundy, of uscaba, of oil of venus, of citron, etc., Having taken a small slice of the fruit, I spread upon it a grain of one of those salts, and putting it into my mouth, I took it for the wing of an ortolan. I looked upon the salt cellar from whence I had the salt, and saw the word ortolan on the label. Astonished at this phenomenon, I spread upon another slice salt of turbo, and I thought I was eating one of the finest turbos the channel had ever produced. I tried the same experiment upon the water. According to the salt I dissolved in it, I drank wine of Bion, of Nuis, of Chambertine, etc. My lord, said I to the prefect, you have shown me the columns, the globe, the mirror, the pictures. I have admired the mechanisms of these masterpieces, and the wonderful skill of elementary spirits. But now my admiration is turned to desire." Is a mortal allowed to enter into the physical mysteries of the spirits? May I learn from you this invaluable secret of your saline powders? 
nowadays more than ever added i men especially the babylonians seek with eagerness whatever can please the senses and one of the things which raises the greatest emulation is to have a table covered with exquisite dainties their forefathers did not look upon a good cook as a person divine the most simple preparation sufficed for their food they thought no wines excelled those of their own country and sometimes those good men made a little too free with them the modern babylonians disgusted at this simplicity and hating hard drinking have taken a different method they are become sober but of a sensual and ambitious sobriety which by unheard of extracts and mixtures perpetually creates new tastes they search in the smallest fibres of the animals for the purest substance and under the name of essences they enclose a little phial the produce of what would suffice for the nourishment of the most numerous families the most exquisite wines cannot satisfy their palate they esteem nothing but what is owing to a violence done to the order of nature's productions they extract the most active spirit of wine and thereto add all the spices of india and with such liquors seeds of fire collected from all the countries of the world flow in their veins you see continued i that with the secret of your savoury crystallizations i should be able to satisfy the nicest palates and please the most curious lovers of variety but what is much more important these saline extracts which are not prepared by the pernicious arts of the distiller and cook these extracts i say would not spoil the stomach in pleasing the taste high health would revive among us the primitive constitutions would be restored by degrees and mankind would resume a new youthful vigour in all respects a man might be a glutton without danger and that is saying a great deal of a vice which has become incorrigible i was not refused in less than half an hour the prefect taught me the whole art i actually resolved the savours with the same ease that newton did the colours from all the fruits that go to decay from all the plants of no use from even the herbs of the field in a word from all bodies whatever i extracted their savoury parts i analysed these parts i reduced them to their primitive particles and then uniting them again in all imaginable proportions i form saline powders which give such a taste as is desired i can enclose in a small snuff-box wherewith to make in an instant a complete entertainment courses ragouts fricassees desserts coffee tea with all kinds of wine and other liquors from a single bit though ever so insipid i produce at pleasure the wing of a partridge the thigh of a woodcock the tongue of a carp etc from a decanter of water i draw tomar i muscadine malmsby cayenne wine lacrima christi and a thousand others my secret should have been public before now but all the advantages accruing from it do not remove a fear which as will be seen is surely not without foundation i am apprehensive that certain gentlemen incessantly busied to open new channels to convey to them the substance of the people 
may lay their greedy hands upon my salt and undertake to distribute it charged with some light tax these light taxes are known always to grow heavier and end with crushing much like those snowballs which rolling down from the top of the mountains and soon grow immensely large root up trees throw down houses and destroy the fields let these gentlemen give in our newspapers a positive assurance that they will never meddle with the management of my savers the next day i will publish my secret distribute my powders and regale all babylon i think i know the world these gentlemen you will see will keep silence and my salt and nobody will be regaled chapter two the colonels my dinner ended with my lesson learnt we sate out again let us said the prefect take the benefit of this long shady walk and go to the grove at the end of it by the way i will explain some matters relating to what i am going to show thee adam had just been driven out of paradise continued the prefect the tree from which the fatal apple was gathered disappeared innocence everlasting peace unmixed pleasure vanished and death covered the earth with her mournful veil witnesses of adam's sin and punishment the elementary spirits remained in a consternation mixed with astonishment and fear all was silent like the dreadful calm which in a gloomy night succeeds the flashes of lightning one of our spirits perceiving on the ground the remains of the fatal apple hastily took them up and found three kernels these were so many treasures the forbidden tree which was the cause of man's misery was to have been the cause of his happiness it contained the shoots of the sciences arts and pleasures the little men know of these things is nothing in comparison of what this mysterious tree would have disclosed in their favor it was to vegetate blossom and bear seed for ever and the least of these seeds would have been the source of more delights than ever existed among the children of men we took great care of the three kernels which had escaped the total ruin just then befallen mankind this was not sufficient to repair their unhappy fate but it helped to soften it as soon as they were returned to gafantia we consulted upon what we could do in favor of mankind so terribly fallen most of the spirits took the office of governing the elements and as far as lay in their power of directing their motions according to the wants of men those that remained at gefantia were entrusted with the sowing of the three kernels and carefully to mind what they produced chapter three ancient love as we were talking we entered into a pretty large grove in the midst of which i perceived a star formed by most beautiful shrubs from every part of these shrubs there darted forth a luminous matter whereupon were painted all the colors of the rainbow thus the sun viewed through the boughs of a thick tree seems crowded with sparkling rays on which shine the liveliest and most variegated colors the first kernel taken from the fatal apple and committed to the ground said the prefect of gefantia produced a shrub of the nature of those thou seest its leaves were like those of the myrtle its purple blossoms speckled with white were raised round their stalks in form of pyramids 
its boughs were thick and interwoven with one another in a thousand different ways it was the most beautiful tree nature had ever produced therefore it was her most favorite object a soft zephyr gently moving its leaves seemed to animate them and never were they ruffled by the impetuous north winds never was the course of its sap obstructed by winter's frost or its moisture exhausted by summer's scorching heats an eternal spring reigned around it this single tree was the tree of love it is well known what influence the extraneous particles of the air have upon us some accelerate or retard the motions of the blood others dull or raise the spirits sometimes they brighten the imagination and sometimes they cloud it with the gloomy vapors of melancholy those that were exhaled from the tree of love and dispersed over the earth brought the seeds of the most alluring pleasure till then men left to a blind instinct which inclined them to propagate their species shared that advantage if it is one with the rest of the animals but like a flower which opens to the first rays of the sun their hearts soon yielded to the first impressions of love and instinct gave place to sentiment with that passion they received a new life the face of nature seemed changed everything became engaging everything touched them the other passions disappeared or were in respect of this like brooks to a river in which they were going to be lost superior to all events love heightened pleasure assuaged pain and gave charm to things the most indifferent it enlivened the graces of youth alleviated the infirmities of age and lasted as long as life its power was not confined to the creating a tender and unchangeable attachment to the object beloved it was inspired also with a certain sentiment of sweetness which was infused into all men and united them together society was then as an endless chain each link was composed of two hearts joined by love the pleasure of others was a torment to none gloomy jealousy had not possessed the human heart nor envy shed her venom there concord multiplied pleasures a man was not more pleased with his own than with the happiness of others mankind was yet in infancy and unacquainted with excesses adversity did not depress them into annihilation nor prosperity puff them up to the loss of their senses their wants were few the arts had not increased them frightful poverty appeared not among them because they knew not riches every one had necessaries because none had superfluities utter strangers to the ridiculousness of rank they were not exalted with insolence nor did they servilely cringe no man was low because no man was high all was in order and men were as happy as their state would admit of o nature why dost thou not still enlighten us with those days of peace harmony and love chapter four the grafts the stinging nettle and wild briar increase and are renewed continued the prefect the tree of love had not that privilege its blossoms vanished without leaving a kernel and its shoes planted in the ground did not take root they died and nature groaned 
meanwhile this only tree was going to decay its sap withdrew from most of the branches and the faded leaves withered on their boughs the elementary spirits were sensible how valuable the treasure was that the sons of men were going to lose and were under the deepest concern for them they studied therefore to find the means to fix love upon earth and imagine they had succeeded they took from the languishing and exhausted tree its best shoots and grafted them upon different stalks this precaution saved love but at the same time altered its nature nourished by an extraneous sap these shoots and their emanations quickly degenerated so the exotic plants which grow in our gardens by the assiduous care of the gardener change their nature and lose almost all their virtues love then existed among men but what love it sprung from caprice was attached without choice and vanished with levity it became such as it is at this day amongst you it is no longer that common band which united mankind and rendered them happy it is on the contrary an inexhaustible fountain of discord formerly it was stronger alone than all the passions together it was subject only to reason now it is overcome by the weakest passion and hearkens to anything but reason to say the truth it is no longer love phantoms have taken its place and received the homage of men one in the highest ranks only finds objects worthy his vows he thinks it love it is only ambition another fixes his heart where fortune is lavish of her gifts he imagines love directs him but it is thirst of riches another flies from where delicateness of sentiments calls for his care and regard and runs where an easy object hardly gives him time to desire what is the ground of his haste a depraved appetite for pleasure of pure sincere and unmixed love there is none left the graphs are quite spoiled at babylon degenerated love varied with the fashions the manners and everything else at first it gave to the romantic this was in the days of our good knight's errand it was all fire transport ecstasy the eye of the fair was a sun the heart of the lover was a volcano and the rest of the same stamp in time it was found that all this was departing a little from nature in order therefore to make it more natural love was dressed like a shepherd with a flock and pipe and spoke the language of a swain in the heart of his noisy and tumultuous city a babylonian sung the refreshing coolness of the groves invited his mistress to drive her flock thither and offered to guard it against the wolves the pastoral language being drained the sentiment was refined and the heart analyzed never had love appeared so subtilized to make a tolerable compliment to a girl beloved a man must have been a pretty good metaphysician the babylonians weary of thinking so deeply from the height of these sublime metaphysics fell into free speeches double meanings and wanton stories their behavior was agreeable to their talk and love after having been a valiant knight-errant a whining shepherd and a sublime metaphysician 
is at last grown in libertine. It will soon become a debauchee, if it is not so already, after which nothing remains but to turn religious, and this is what I expect. Moreover, the Babylonians flatter themselves with being a people the most respectful to ladies, and boast of having it from their ancestors. In this respect, as in all others, two things must be distinguished at Babylon, the appearance and the reality. No place where women are more honored, in reality, no place where they are less esteemed. Outwardly, nothing but homages, inwardly, nothing but contempt. It is even a principle of Babylon that the men cannot have, in an assembly, too much respect for the sex, nor in private, too little. End of section 6